0: February 15, twenty twenty-one. It's a watch for Pedro show. What's the time? Like sunny. Like sunny. Take one. <laughs> For Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Sunny Monday here in Pedro. And uh I know it's cold in other parts, so spoiled fucking what. We started with uh like Sunny, John Coltrane from that Blue World thing they found in Attic or something a couple years ago. And then Rod Stabinski after that with Long Now. Speaking of which, yeah, Brother Matt set the Love Grotto Pleasure Point a couple miles south from here because we're still in quite quarantino mode, but I'm not totally man alone. Because of those software engineers in Estonia with the righteous Skype invention, I got Brother Rod Stabinski with me. Welcome, boy, Rod. Oh,
1: thanks a lot, man. Great to be here. Real honor.
0: And where are you speaking to me from?
1: I'm in Nicholson, Pennsylvania. All right. Not so sunny right now up here.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of close to uh, Philadelphia? About two hours. Two hours. Which way?
1: Yeah, north.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: about two hours from New York, about two
0: hours from Philly. Yeah, so you're in between. Okay, okay. And uh, I think I took the train, the Amtrak, from New York City to Philadelphia. And it was, I think, 90 miles, 100 miles. Yeah. And the interesting parts to Philadelphia. <laughs> <It went laughs> right through there on the train. It was interesting. And uh, the gig was in uh, with Charlie Plymell and uh a part of town called Fishtown. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I, I've been there. Johnny Brendan's, right, there with the boxing glove, this pad. I guess it used huh? to be a tail. Yeah. I guess he was a boxer or something. Maybe his glove is in like this uh, crystal ball, you know, like uh, someone would use for seeing the future. Or something. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I want to talk about you know, I first, t- let me pre- preface everything, people, about my knowledge of Ron Staminski. I was, got to tour with the Meat Puppets, 2017. I go back with these guys. And the boss, uh, Kurt, was so fucking excited about this new cat they were going to add. Uh, keyboard, it was new for him, a keyboard. And it was Ron, <laughs> and he was foaming. He was so fucking hot to play with you, you know. And this was oh, just, this was more the beginning uh, phases of it. But I want to go even before that because we'll get to that, of course. But <laughs> what's your earliest musical recollection ever?
1: You know, it's funny. This came up this came up recently. You know, I I was fascinated with my parents' Zenith console stereo from before the time I could. Talk, my teeth marks are still in it on, on the ledge because I used to support myself by my teeth so I could so I could kind of balance myself to see the record, you know. <laughs> and where uh, was this? So this was in uh, near Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Okay. With so- my parents, and you know, uh, for years my parents thought, I, you know, I called it the Zizza, and my parents thought it was because it was called a zenith. But uh, and I couldn't say zenith, but it, it, it turned out I just learned this maybe a year ago. And I I, I kind of remember this from my childhood now, it's because it, it's because it, I was trying to say the word Lisa. My my fa- first favorite song when I was like two was the new hit by Jesse Coulter, Phoenix native. Also, I'm not Lisa. I don't know <laughs> if you remember that song. You know, I think yeah. Waylon Jennings produced it. They were married at the, at the time, and sure. and uh, you know, and that made such an impact on me. I, I hadn't thought about it for years, but it's like when my when my brother was about to be born, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, and I wanted my mom to name him Lisa. And then two years later, she actually had a girl, and, uh, and so finally there was a Lisa. But this was like four years after I, I was fascinated with this, uh, with this song, so that's probably my earliest memory. I was a real music and audio nerd from the time of pre-speech. I used to, I used to be impossible to get out of bed, but my parents would tell me they were going to get me a new 8-track player when I was three years old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought Waylon was Lubbock. You know, I, I think he did bass for a buddy Holly for a little bit. Oh man, he,
1: I guess that guy did a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. He ended up he was doing gigs with one leg. I think at the end there because of diabetes wow. or something. But uh, so in the pad there in Pottsville. Uh, yeah, Port Carbon
1: is my is my oh my parents' pad.
0: Yeah, because I'm wondering in this pad if uh, there was besides like listening devices, was there instruments?
1: There weren't instruments. Neither neither of my parents really played other than uh, my my mom's dad was really interested in music when when he was a kid. So I, I think she had to take some organ lessons because he had an electronic organ in the house, but she wasn't interested at all. So it was it was only it was only the. You know the the zenith console and interestingly uh, a a reel to reel player.
0: So was the organ in the living room? Organ was
1: at my grandfather's house. Oh,
0: okay. So you you couldn't jump on it then?
1: No. There was nothing in the house at all, so I was just a listener.
0: Yeah, that's all right. They were listeners Super. too. And so you probably your first listening is their collection, right?
1: Their collection. You know, I, I remember reel to reels of Tammy Wynette divorce
0: the I V O R C E. Of course. Charlie
1: Pride records and uh, Charlie
0: Pride. My pop told me about him on the boat. You know, my pop was a sailor. He said a lot of the other sailors didn't know everything about Charlie, but they loved his voice.
1: You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's a trip.
2: We just lost him. uh,
0: I think uh, just a few months ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, great singer, great. Oh yeah, man. You know
1: what Uh, made a big impression on me was uh, that? It was a Simon and Garfunkel Greatest Hits eight track, and uh, the so, boxer. Eight, you know, tracks the hmm? eight tracks were big with you.
0: Eight tracks were big with you because that they were big with me. Yeah, it was really trippy about them—the way they would just divide the album up in four, and it would just cut off and go to the next. <laughs> I know, and
1: it was like a—I I was so—I was so fascinated mechanically. Like the there was that little magnetic little part that would come by every once in a while and that's what would make it so the head right. change to the next track and i'd always be pulling them apart and my uncle showed me a trick where if it ever came unspooled you could pull one side really hard it would reel itself back up together
0: right right i love that
1: i love that stuff Yeah, because
0: basically it was an uh, endless loop it was uh yep, yeah exactly uh yeah what a trip um and it's eight track people because it's stereo so there was four like programs with two tr- uh, tracks left, right. So that's where you get eight. And they were designed for the cars kind of. Yeah. Cause uh, to fight the cassettes, I, I guess. Uh, what about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that?
1: I was, I was in all that stuff, but that, that came much later. You know, what happened, what happened for me was uh, when I was, when I was probably about five years old, my grandfather gave up on all of his kids taking lessons so he started taking organ lessons himself, you know playing polkas and old songs from the twenties and thirties on the electronic organ. well, I was glued to him anytime I was over at his house. so he said, "Come on, you come over here I'll show you where I'll show you where middle C is and and that was it I was I was hooked I didn't go to kindergarten i I just uh I stayed at my grandfather's house a lot of the time and just uh was like devouring all the you know piano method books and stuff
0: like that. but it was that organ, your ma that was your ma's, right It was her dad's. Her dad, yeah. okay, so it's your your grandfather, and she don't want to play, but he's getting into it, and you're visiting he, him, you get into it.
1: Yeah, he and he he was thrilled because you know this this was like this was like his chance to uh, kind of see me fulfill his dreams. He wanted to play when he was a kid, but his uh, his father forbade him from playing because he had work to do on the farm. My grandfather went as far as to believe it or not, he. Uh, he got. He, he took the initiative and got this uh, accordion to get delivered to the place, you know. Yeah. And the, the, it came with three lessons for buying the accordion. And the guy was like, the guy was like, uh, bringing the accordion, and, and his father kicked the guy off the property. And said, "Get out of here with that." He doesn't have time for that.
2: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> when <laughs> he saw that I was interested, he saw in me like, like a chance for me to fulfill kind of his dream to play music.
0: Yeah, and you know it's different because most people it <clears throat> seems like the piano lessons are kind of forced and the teacher's an asshole
1: exactly that's not
0: your experience no my,
1: mine was the opposite I, I i couldn't get enough of it you know i i uh you know i quickly learned like everything that he learned at that point so he he had the guy who was teaching him try to give me lessons the guy didn't want to do it because i was too young you know i was five years old and uh you know this guy didn't want to teach teach a kid he never really taught somebody that young he was teaching this was a guy who uh his name was bob bernatonis and he he played accordion on a band called the dutch masters but Mostly he taught kids bar chords on the guitar. You know, he would go, he'd come to your house. He had a, he had an old late sixties Pontiac GTO with a bunch of boxes of sheet music in the back seat. And you'd come to your house for $3 a lesson and he'd teach you, uh, you know, whatever, whatever instrument you want. He kind of taught all instruments, uh, you know, not necessarily technically correct even, but he was like a general kind of music, music teacher, you know? Sure. And so my grandfather had to meet, meet me and, and he, uh, You know, he he was really fascinated that I was so interested, so he agreed to do it. And you know, I didn't have the usual like piano lessons, classical background at first. This guy was like writing out lead sheets of "Hang On Sloopy" and "The World Is Waiting for a Sunrise" and like like all these kind of different songs, writing out chord charts for me, teaching me about thirteenth chords and stuff. You know, I'm like five six years old, (coughs) so, and I wasn't like working on stuff so much as like sight reading. You know, he he just bring stuff in and we would just start reading stuff and. You know, these were like invaluable skills for me to have later on. and probably a bigger influence on me than my classical training was later, to just to have wow. this kind of theory and chord knowledge from such a young age. What was this cat's name? His name was Bob Bernatonis.
0: Okay, Bob Bernatonis. Man. Rocks yeah, and
3: he taught me like <laughs>
1: he, he, he like gave me a, a, a like a basic knowledge on he would just bring instruments. I broke my finger well, at one point he brought me a melophone to learn some brass stuff, and I played clarinet a little and snare
0: snare drum rudiments. No, the knowledge was bitching that he passed on to you, but also the inspiration, you know, the motivation. Yeah. That's fucking (laughs) happening. Look, I want to play uh, Astronaut, Grassy Sound. All right. (laughs) From Pedro's show we just heard gra- that chunk of the music started with Grassy Sound, Astronaut. And then the fourth movement of uh, Wharton Tears, uh, Symphony Number no. 9 Beyond. The previous three episodes I played the other three movements. This is the fourth and final one, Mountain High Enough. It's a rough version because Wharton has done this on the MIDI. You know, he wants a whole symphony to do this. He's a drummer man. So it's kind of a demo, I guess, when he gets it to the symphony. Very, very uh, trippy music. I love Ward. Uh, I got to record once with him, and uh, Steve Shelley was on the drums, and Lee Ronaldo sang, and Bob Quine was on the guitar. It was wow. uh, Visions of Johanna Freeze Out, uh, Bobby Dylan song. Then Thursday tomorrow after that with The Station, something he just recorded at home. Deep in the Woods, 66 out of Dublin, with While My Mind Shakes, Hands Writing Out of Switzerland, Proto-Sloot. Bomas Prendin, foul number of D.C. area. And then finally, Minimal Disturbance with the live excerpt. January 2020 gig in Richmond, I'm assuming Richmond, Virginia.
1: That's right. Okay. As with <laughs> okay. Jack Wright.
0: Yeah, the Bomas Prendon people. Jack Wright. He was on the show a couple months ago. It was a beautiful beautiful spiel from him, man. I love Oh, I love talking with him. That was a nice one. Another older guy doing the free music, Bob Marsh out of Pueblo. Both these guys were so inspiring to listen to. Jumping from the pole, is what Bob called improv, and just go. So, <laughs> Bob's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. These guys, and, and we got to thank brother Evan Lipson for making the connect on a lot of this. A great bass man out of Philadelphia. And oh yeah, he's I super. think he's in Knoxville these days, but but I think he's Philly guy. Stevie Bono too is living here now. Yeah, big, wow, yeah, that's right. Big Philadelphia connection. Thirty third Street by the zoo. John Coltrane's house. He bought with his GI Bill money. It's all connected. <laughs> Thank you, wow. Philadelphia. Anyway, Whew. anyway, you you were saying something about the the classical.
1: Oh yeah, so so uh, it's it's funny. I, I, the irony is like I'm talking about how important it was what I was taught by Bob when I was this little kid. Uh, Five years, five years later, I finally started classical piano lessons, and you know, also in the school programs, I I'd, I'd taken some violin lessons, and uh, you know, I went through this period where I kind of, I didn't really. I started looking down a little bit on my on my past with the with the classical thing, and thinking, you know, the the like the lady at school was telling me different things, and he told me about the violin and technique, and and uh, the classical piano lessons, you know, you know, there's that kind of misinformation that's kind of bestowed upon us like one kind of music is better than another or something and I was starting to get a fee- a, a feeling for what that was and it, it took me years and years later to, to realize like what a what a gift that guy gave me you know yeah you know, just because it wasn't it, it wasn't classical so it's like it, it's amazing how like the the snobbery and elitism can kind of creep in even at a young age that we pick up from cues you know and right. none of it none of it's true it's like it's it's just one big pool I think.
0: Yeah, no, music sounds. is We're music, right? Was music them. is music, exactly. And then, uh, yeah, we start getting all these collars and chains and start mm-hmm. binding it up because we want to try to make things easier, and it ends up yep. a
1: nightmare. It does. It's it's hard to untangle. It took it took me it took me years, you know, to figure out, you know, because because I was kind of pursuing half heartedly the classical thing and through college and stuff and really kind of afraid of it. Cause it also kind of didn't feel right. And it's like, you know, I wasn't really thinking for myself yet in terms of well, what do you want to do with this? So like, at one point I, I kind of, I kind of tried to quit and everything It's like, you know, instead of going to grad school, I kind of crumpled up my acceptance letter to grad school. And, uh, it was a, it was, it was a great moment. You know, that's when I finally started listening to, uh, to rock and roll. Finally, in a, in a serious way, it was around 1995 after I graduated from college and, uh, well, that's what know, I really started know, thinking about. You know what? What do you what do you want to do? And it took a long time to realize. Hey, you don't have to quit playing in order to put play whatever you want to play or that, even just the search for what it is that you're looking for. You know.
0: You know, rock and roll actually is piano music. It's before guitar. It was piano. If you think yeah. about it, Little Richard, J. Lee Lewis, all that's all that. Even stuff. even Chuck Berry, his songs were written by his piano man.
1: Right. What was his name? Uh, Johnson, right? Yeah, uh,
0: Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's funny. I it was, it was just a commercial on a TV a couple of weeks ago and, uh, it, and it was, uh, excuse me. It was Jimmy Johnson playing man with, with Chuck. And it was like, wow, listen to that.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's why the song sounded out of tune because they were in like B flat, E flat. They're a lot easier keys to play on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, people thought they're tuning down like Black Sabbath or Kiss. No. <laughs> tuning to the piano. But see, that's what happens. And Berlin Walls gets stuck in the head. And we can't take a hammer to them. I wish we could. You know, but we've got to clean it out with some... Uh, yeah. Like that cat, Bob, who taught you young. I yeah. You had to go back to get free. Yeah, uh, what So... You were like man alone working a keyboard. Did, did you do any of the stuff after school, like the basement band, the bedroom band, cellar band, barn band?
1: No, you know, you know the, the...
0: I played French horn in school band, so
1: that was kind of, in the beginning, that was like my only experience, like really playing with other people, um, you know, or playing violin in the middle school orchestra, which I, I was terrible at that. But uh, anyway, uh, I guess the collaboration thing really came in when I was about 12 or 13. I'd be going to this summer music camp called Encore Music Camp of Pennsylvania. It was held at Wilkes University, which uh, later was my, ended up being my alma mater college-wise. But uh, I, I started I started accompanying people, like, uh, you know, singers and instrumentals. Often, they, they, they can't play their instrument alone. They need a piano player to play with them. There's usually a piano part, and so... And chamber music. I remember my first chamber music experience happened there in the summer, playing a movement of the Mendelssohn piano trio, and that was that. That was it for me, man. When you get to play, when you get to play with other people, and especially small group like that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't rock, it wasn't jazz yet. It was uh you know classical, but small. You was, know, playing duo, playing trio, and stuff. And yeah, this, uh, this is uh, where uh, I really started to become a musician.
0: Yeah, an ensemble because when when you got an ensemble going, you're trying to create a Interesting conversation, right?
1: Exactly. You know, you're listening. It's changing the way you play. You're, you're listening. You know, you're not. You know, you're not. You're not thinking about what you're doing. You're you have to do what you're doing while you're while you're absorbing and trying to blend sounds with somebody else and makes makes cohesive sense of it. And uh, man that 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 was it. You know, that that was that was the beginning of something really important for me to to be like understanding that it's like it's really about listening to the other, per, other person and the give and take that happens there.
0: So you would say in your music life, it was kind of a sea change.
1: Yeah, it really was. And it was only six weeks of the summer that I'd have this experience, you know, but man, that was a, that was a, that was a really important
0: time. It can do it. Cause once you get the little hatch cracked open, you know, pried open, maybe, yeah, it starts gushing out later. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, Ron. Uh, February, All right. F- February 15, 2021 edition What Pedro Show. Special guest, Ron Stabinski. Hold tight for hour two. February 15, 2021, second hour of the Walt for Pedro Show. <laughs> Off from Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Homo Ludens for Cecil Taylor. Incredible PM man The Peter Evans Ensemble. Then Stony Spring with Soul Song for Deaf Boy. The Hatch out of Hokkaido, Japan. Sex Game. Uh, and Dietrich. That's John Dietrich from uh, Deerhoof. Ten. Hearsay with Indolence. Maybe one of the first uh, bands out of the upper desert, Joshua I Tree see. and stuff. Yeah, I know you, uh, Pappy and Harriets. That's oh Pioneer, yeah, that's Pioneer Town, but it's it's close. It's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, Ara again from the Peter Evans Ensemble. What, what's the Peter Evans Ensemble?
1: So Peter, so Peter Evans is this trumpet player. You know, I've been I've been really lucky that uh. You know, as a as a musician, you're still a listener, of course. And uh, you know, every once in a while, there's like there's a musician that you hear, and you just they're like a beacon, you know. You know, Coltrane was that for a lot of people. Jimi yeah. Hendrix was. Yeah. You know, and I've I've had I've had a few, you know. James Jamerson,
0: James Jamerson on the bass. There
1: you go. And and man, you know, for me, you know, Cecil Taylor was a big one, and uh, Bill Dixon. Um, I've always loved trumpet players. Miles was was like first was like a first one, you know. What about Monk? Um, i i love I love Monk. Uh, you know the the writing and the sparseness of, his, of the sparseness of his voicings, and uh, you know just his whole rhythmicality, which is really kind of out of Duke Ellington in a way.
0: But but kind uh, of a stumbly feel, right? Kind of trip. Yeah, yeah. But you know, for me, it, it's
1: been a funny thing. I I mentioned I played French horn in school band, but man, trumpet players. Trumpet players and drummers. Oh, this is funny, actually. You know, before I played piano, this was another thing that came up much later I, I never thought much about until I realized how much I love drummers. I did have a Sears Roebuck snare drum as a little, little kid, and it was so loud, my mom made me play it outside, and then the neighbors complained, so she put it in the attic. So I was probably supposed to be a drummer, but that's a whole other story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but if you could play drums, you could play anything. I mean, that's, it's a, you know, rhythm is at the heart of a lot of shit.
1: Oh, it sure is, but, so, so uh, but yeah, man.
0: You listen to other piano players, but then you listen to other guys working other instruments. And other instruments, man, and, okay. and
1: Peter Evans was, was I, I used to, I'd drive eight hours to go, go hear Peter Evans play. You know, I, I, I had a Monday night rehearsal gig in Pennsylvania, and there was a snowstorm. It was too bad. The weather was too bad, so it got canceled. So I drove from Pennsylvania up to Yale to see him do a solo set. Yeah. Yale in Connecticut, like, New Haven you know so i know five that's right so, so, so it's like so he was one of these guys where i was just like i was just man i love what this guy is doing and you know i'd say you know puppets were, were were another one for me i've been I've been so lucky that it's like uh these people who were beacons for me that it's like you know i end up meeting them and they end up finding my about my, my, my music through me sharing things with them and and so lucky that i end up getting to play with them you know
0: well, what, so what, Peter's, how, Peter's how, yeah, how did is, this uh, connect? How did this connect dream. with Peter happen?
1: Oh, man. There was a pre-connect, which was uh, back in the eBay days and people trading bootlegs and stuff before there was everything on the internet on MP3s. I was selling a Coltrane CD bootleg, like a silver, silver disc bootleg train thing from the Half Note. Because I just acquired some CDRs that had additional tracks, and I, I didn't really need this this bootleg anymore. I put it on eBay, and this this student from Oberlin, you know Peter at or Oberlin, whatever his it, email uh, address was. I see, you know
0: Oberlin you know. is a music school in Ohio. That's right.
1: So so he was this kid at Oberlin.
0: You know, went there. Uh, Greg, uh, the drummer man from Deerhoof, Greg uh, Sannier. Oh yeah. I wouldn't
1: shit I didn't which, know that. I wouldn't shit you. <laughs> I believe believe in what? That's, what? that's what we always say, right? So 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 I, I had a, I had a I had a former student and a friend of mine who was at over and I said, Hey, who's this guy Peter Evans? He just uh, just asked me some questions about this culture bootleg and he goes, Oh man, he's this he's this trumpet player that can, he can do anything on the trumpet. So I find out he's taking late train and transcribing it and practicing it on the trumpet. Wow. But he's a classical major at Oberlin, so Jesse plays me a clip of like a show that that he like recorded at Oberlin. He's playing it over the phone. I'm like, oh my god, this guy! So a few years pass, and I I, 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 I Google to say, well, whatever happened, whatever happened to this Peter Evans' cat, right? So so uh, you know, I find out that he's been in New York and he's playing with with all these different things like contemporary new music stuff and jazz stuff, you know, playing with Dave Douglas, playing with alarm will sound playing with, with all this different stuff, playing with Dave Taylor. So fast forward, I start, I start following his music. He was playing with this band. Mostly other people do the killing. Um, he, I also found some clips on MySpace. Remember those days of him playing with this baritone saxophone named Charlie Evans. And I, I, I hear in his playing that he's, He's he's bringing in other saxophone influences to the trumpet, like Evan Parker, whose work is, is amazing. And hearing all these influences, so I finally I go to I go down to Philly and hear him play. I see that he's playing in the, his duo Sparks with the ba- this great bass player Tom Blankhart. So this is where I meet him. Like years later, so we we meet after the show and I talk to him about this Coltrane bootleg bootleg eBay auction. He's like, "Oh my God, that was you!"
0: So uh,
1: that's that's how that happened.
2: <laughs>
0: wow. Look, speaking of meat puppets, I want to play The Great Awakening. Walk for Pedro show. Yeah, started that chunk of music off with the Meat Puppets doing The Great Awakening. And then Eternal Return with Nomad. Waku Waku Kingdom with Waku Waku Dream. Quiet Pig Out of Italy with Monster. Uh, Mika Levy with Kind of Strange. And finally, Meat Puppets Unfrozen Memory. So, what about this connect? The, you, I think you did a gig in Austin that Kurt saw or something.
1: Yeah, that was that was with that that was with the that was a later version of the band. Mostly other people do the killing. I ended up replacing Peter in that band, but then also joining Peter in his own in his own band. And uh, I was going down to Austin. I'd already been at this point playing. I was hooking up with Chris, with Chris, bass player. Right. You no, know, well, you know, down in uh, Phoenix every every once in a while, starting around 2014 and at this point we're talking i guess 2017 i go down i go down to austin with most of the other tell kurt i'm going to be in town kurt and i'd never played before you know so you know he occasionally mentioned something about maybe someday but he didn't know what he would do with the keyboard player and he was kind of in a dry spell in terms of song songwriting and and so it was kind of something talked about a little bit but but uh yeah, I'm down there, and he came to see us play, but I told him, hey, I've got some time off. I can come down a few days early. So what happened is a couple days before that gig, we got together, and we went over. There's a guy he knows who's got a home studio, and we grabbed his old 1990s Kurzweil synthesizer, packed it up in, in the car, drove over this this house studio, and we get there, and this guy's got a Hammond B3 that... A friend of his just got for a really good price a beautiful b3 and Leslie not even hooked up yet just sitting there so it's like well let's hook that up too right yeah so, so Kurt you know Kurt's kind of like he's been, he's been kind of like you know it's not gonna be like with Chris where he likes to jam and improvise a lot I don't I don't really I don't really do so much of that but I don't know what we'll play right he's like I don't know what we'll play so you know they're setting up the hammond I've got his Kurtzweil synthesizer out and He starts playing the Tennessee Waltz. I start playing along with him. So we play the Tennessee Waltz, right?
4: Yeah.
1: So then the organ's hooked up. So I got this one keyboard and I got the organ. And he starts playing some stuff. I I think he's kind of maybe uh, noodling on some chords or something. I start playing along with him. And I start realizing, you know, he's kind of playing pretty consistent chord progressions, right? Yeah. So it turns out, because I was coming down and he wasn't sure what he was gonna play with me in terms of wanting to improvise or jam or anything, he, he decided to start like writing some song ideas apparently just to have something to play and he didn't say anything to me about it. you know he just started playing them and and it sounds like this was uh, this, this was the key is like I, I, it seems like he was afraid that he wouldn't know what to tell me in terms of collaborating. And when I just kind of started, started making stuff up and coming up with parts to go along with it, at the end of the session, he told me, "Hey, you know, thanks for getting me to feel inspired to write some stuff, you know, because you we were coming down." And uh, yeah,
0: he was foisting you know, are, he was foisting new songs on you.
1: He was foisting new songs. He said, "You know, we should we should get together with the other guys." That's, and that's so maybe, beautiful. Maybe that's, start a new album. So he's <laughs> he's something else. He keeps stuff close to the chest, you know. You oh know, yeah. Oh, I yeah. gave those guys. I gave those guys a track. I used to give every people people whose music I admired. I would give them CDRs of my own improvs, you know. Yeah. And just bounce it off them, you know. And and uh, I'm generally a shy person, but when it comes to, when it comes to the music, it's just like I reached a point where you realize, you know, you just have to put yourself out there. Let the freak people, flag, you
0: know? flag fly. Look, Ron, we're at so, the end of the second hour, February 15, 2021 edition. Wapito Peter show special guest Ron Stabinski. Hold tight for our three. All right. February 15, 2021. It's the third hour of the watch for Pedro
5: The crystal cadaver is nowhere to be found. The stars in his halo are weighing it down. It's best that it keeps itself well under.
0: start off the third hour with Meat puppets doing multiply and then uh, tragic comedy with chimes and I don't from Meat puppets. So, so to continue on. So, so Kurt, he didn't let you know, but you actually got him to through a, maybe a, a writer block kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I, I gave him I gave him a reason. I, I guess, you know, you know, Chris, right. All this time getting calls from Kurt. So all this stuff is going on, and of course Chris is a big tattletale, you know. So, so Chris, <laughs> so Chris is like, yeah, man, I talked to Kurt, and he was just uh, because in the first place Kurt, Kurt was asking Chris if uh, you know, about you know Ron wants to come over, what's it like to hang with them? So Chris is, is is telling him like, yeah, definitely hang it. make sure you guys play, you know. So, so then Kurt's going back to talking to Chris and saying, hey, I didn't have to tell him anything; he just like knew what to do, right? So. So here's, but here's another thing that that happened. Uh, back in maybe like 2000, I want to say 2011, usually I'd give people CDRs of my own improv, my own music. I did a thing that I gave them. I, I actually wrote a song kind of in the style of Kurt's writing. Yeah. Just like a, I did it as a piano solo, but it was kind of like me doing an homage, like a Meat Puppets homage sure. kind of tune, you know? Chris wrote to me and said, you know, I put that on there and I also put a solo improv thing. And Chris said, you know, Oh, it's real cool! That homage thing you did, and man, you're—I I really knocked my socks off with that improv. Kurt never said anything. Years later, after I'm already playing in the band and we're hanging out at the hotel after after a gig, you know, we're waxing nostalgic about how cool things are with Boster back in the band, this yeah. and that. And I said, "Man, yeah. I'm so glad! Thanks for making me a part of this and all this." He's like, "Oh, I knew I wanted you to play with you ever since you gave us that that homage track that you wrote." <laughs> oh shit. Oh. He tells me this like seven years right,
0: later. Right, he doesn't acknowledge it. Well, you know what Orson Welles said? You know, we'll sell no wine before it's time. <laughs> 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 what a fucking trip. What a trip. So great. I but he, love those but guys. you're right. He likes to keep things close to this chest. <laughs> yeah. You got another thing here you gave me. Well, no, this is uh, the mostly... You know where this quote's from? I think Joe Stalin said... Mostly, other people do the. It was,
1: you know, who it was. It was, uh, so Leon Theremin. Uh, you know, the guy who invented the theremin. He was also he he worked he worked for the the Russians, KGB, and shit. You know, making bugs all all the right right. You also
0: served some time in the Gulag.
1: So so Bernie was really old. He was at some conference apparently, and somebody asked him the question. You know, what was it like? under the oppression of Stalin having to work for Stalin and all of that and he said oh Stalin wasn't so bad mostly other people it was mostly other people that did the killing
0: okay so it's a theremin quote okay but I knew Joe Stalin was connected somehow I think (laughs) what he his big quote was when you chop wood chips fly (laughs) here let's play this Centralia for Pedro's show. Last music for this edition. Uh, Mostly other people do the killing. Centralia. And then uh, Abrams, Damon, Graham, Mendoza with that Closed Minds. Evan Mendoza gave me this great guitar lady. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, Brooklyn, right? I think she's from Orange (laughs) County, though, here in SoCal. And then finally, uh, Black Horse from Mostly Other People do the killing. And so uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, the meat pub, the Kirkwood brothers, and the Sun. you know, um, Ron and uh, Derek are the only ones in family. Well, they kind of are, but the only you know, not curly they, they can get a little skeptical about a lot of things in life, but not when it comes to music. They love when it comes music. to
1: music. Those guys—they they breathe it, and that's that was it. It's like their records. You know, we talked about talking about Beacons before. Like, man, that their records meant so much to me, and consistently from the time the time I first got into them, it's like they were like one of the few bands that's like any day of the week for 20-some years, I could always put on a Me Puppets record, you know? And, and they reached a point when, if, where I'm making my own music and I'm trying to open it up and not close anything off from it, but it's like it still never quite reached a, a certain place that, that for me the, the Puppets music got to. And of course it made sense. It's like I need to just play with these guys, you know?
0: You know, just a power trio, right? Just. But uh,
1: they oh, had guys. this record
0: they made with Spotsky called Up on the Sun. <clears throat> and the the, the 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 song, the title of the record's off. The orchestration of the guitar parts really had an incredible effect on D. Boone. Oh, I believe that. I mean, and uh, me too. I mean, I, I just love... The, just the way all the also Chris's bass parts on that album, oh my god maiden's milk and shit like that
1: yeah no, it was just like a tapestry of of string plucking
0: right right and really good connect and then you know yeah the return to the fold of Derek bostrom who I think was always part of that conversation that ensemble trip and well'll uh, tell you
1: man, they you know Derek hadn't played with them in in over 20 years yeah. And- and the, and the band got inducted into the, the, the Phoenix, you know, Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Right. And it turned out that, you know, Derek Derek wanted to be involved in that and Kirk got the word and they they, they played together. So the day before that gig, they're in a rehearsal room for the first time together since, like, 96. Like, it, it's just a, just to hear, you know, I mean, Chris's reaction to the whole thing was just like, man, it was just like, these were the three heads that this is why the puppets happened because of these three heads and the way they came together. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, it sounded like it was just a magical thing. Just the three of them
0: and it was being in a room
1: together and, and, and then making sounds again.
0: And yeah, now a five piece
1: in your part. I know it's, it's surreal. I still like have to pinch myself, you know,
0: but I tell you talking to Kurt on that tour, he was already, he was foaming. He was telling me all the time, man, I'm going to get to do this. Why? I'm going to get to do this.
1: That day we got together in Austin it was, just, it was just one of the most magical, the, the the feeling of just like mutual love of a potential future that we saw, you know, to, you know, and, and just the... Uh,
0: Which is a trip because people, oh yeah, you know, Kurt's bringing all these standards he'll pull out, you know, I'll get over you when the grass grows over me or whatever. And he, And he's telling me about yeah, this guy knows avant-garde. I said, Because yeah. that's music, right? It's it's that's that's music. Those
1: those it's guys, traditions, I mean, in the it's, those it's, albums, how every album it wasn't about a genre. It was just about like let's do this, right. let's do that. Like yeah. and they're coming from more places than they're even playing. I mean, right. all of that informed what they did, you know, listening to Can, listening to Weather Report, listening to you know, their heads were everywhere. Right, and, right. And no, and right. it's like it's like, yeah, when you get that, it's like you know that's 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 when you can you actually stand a chance of making some interesting music is when you just open yourself to everything and learn about it and then you don't try to make that
0: you just right. try to make anything absolutely Try you know, to get the... the uh, man. well
1: trying to get magic the, uh... hey that organ playing the organ with him there was no bass player
2: yeah. it was just
1: the two of us and we're playing these these songs that have kind of a rustic and country kind of vibe that he's writing I start playing you know one and five in yeah. my left foot. Sure, on the, sure. On the, pe- Jimmy, on the pedals. Jimmy Smith. It took me right back to when I was a kid before I ever played the piano or anything playing these old songs. this like It, it was like a full circle moment for me. It's like, wow, this is... It, this is like when I played it when I was a kid. Like It, it, it just was like... Wow, it's like everything I needed to know I learned when I was a little kid and I did all this other stuff to inform it. But now here I am back playing almost just like I did when I was five but with all this other... Information, right? Right. And uh, which and, is what life's so, about.
0: Which which is life is about experiences, and then fucking the world as a classroom to learn from. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Um, uh, probably easiest places. Uh, Facebook is probably the best place to catch up with what I'm so, doing. So you don't Instagram have, posts and Facebook.
0: You don't have your own website yet.
1: I don't have my own website, no. One day
0: you will. It's been a huge honor to have you on the show, Ron. Oh,
1: likewise. Honor's when, mine, Watt.
0: I know you got new meat puppets and stuff coming, but also when you get a new Ron Stabinsky thing, will you come on the show and we could talk oh, about it? Absolutely. That would be a blast. Oh, man. Truly, truly. Keep on keep it on, man. <laughs> I love you, man. You too. Okay. Pete, yeah, lots spend... of love, man. Right, back, Fe- February 15, 2021 20, edition, Watt Pedro Show. Keep your
2: powder dry.